This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and today I'm going to explore a pretty big question here in Vancouver. Why did the most beloved indie arts venue in the city, whose fans include Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Smith and tens of thousands of people who donated funds and energy to buy it years ago, become a sports bar? Last week, the Rio Theater on Vancouver's east side updated its marquee with a bold declaration that got people talking around town. Screw the arts. We're a sports bar now. And after many months closed due to the provincial health officer's rules around events, they opened up their door for sports fans to watch hockey and whatever qualifies as sports on their big screen. And I'm I'm kind of waving my hands in the air even though people can't see it because I don't know anything about sports at all. What is sportsing? But people are going to the Rio now to watch their sports on the big screen, socially distanced, and not operating at full capacity but still open. Some people who obviously don't know the Rio or its history of activism and burlesque shows and Indian nights and the role it plays in our community took the marquee at face value. Look at this theater and how quickly they were to reject the arts when it wasn't profitable anymore or something else equally ridiculous. I saw it personally as a way of drawing attention to the province's inconsistent rules around who gets to stay open and who gets to stay closed and also to keep the Rio open and staff employed. Like this is about survival, I'm assuming. So today we're going to get a download from the Rio Theaters, sorry, the Rio Sports Bar's parents, Kareen Lee and Rachel Fox, about what they're doing, why they're doing it, and what we all stand to lose if the rules aren't enforced equally. Kareen. Hello. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. What was going on at the Rio right before? Well, just, just before the pandemic, we had one of our busiest months in February. Um, you know, we had the comedy fest, the JFL comedy fest. So uh, we were we had a whole year ahead on our calendar planned and booked. Uh, Live Nation had about 50 bookings uh, throughout the year. Um, you know, our calendar was pretty much full till December already Mm. and uh so we were we were psyched we were pumped we were ready for 2020 and we thought we were going to kick ass and uh yeah that didn't happen and suddenly you know the day that we had to shut down when it was the total lockdown i had the first sign was i had about 10 cancellations in one day and then it was just you know rapidly uh increased uh, the the days after um So, yeah, I mean, when I refer to the Rio the way it used to be, like when we were allowed to reopen in July, 
um, I call it the real light because we got to, you know, open with movies, but it's only 12% of our capacity when, when you only have 50 seats. And um, I uh, would always refer to like, cause we have some new staff that never saw the Rio before. And I'd just be like, Oh, the, before the Rio was a monster, you know, it was, we would have several sold out shows in a day. I think we've had days, Rachel can probably correct me. Uh, I think we've had days where we've had three shows, sold out shows in one day and just turning over 420 people each event. And, um, you know, and it's, it's a beast, you know, and you've got to feed it. You got to, you know, keep it stocked and, and keep, keep everyone happy. And uh, we love, we loved it that way. So yeah. we miss it big time. First of all, I didn't realize it was exactly 420 seats, but that's beautiful and yes. poetic. Um, but also, I think that also speaks to the fact that, you know, the, and I, I want to explain, because we have listeners all over the world, really. The Rio is like a community hall in a lot of ways. Like it's a gathering space. You know, it's like some people, I have, I have a friend, Rachel Langer, who's a screenwriter, who refers to it as her, like that's her living room. You know, like that's where she goes to, to relax. And, um, you know, the role that it plays in the community, it cannot be understated. You know, so when, like at the beginning, you know, when the government was like, you know, issuing, when you reopened as real light, how did you feel about those, the rules that they issued for operating? Well, honest, to be honest, I was nervous because, you know, we'd been in lockdown for three months. I think all of us had the mentality of, you know, fear, just stepping outside your house. You thought the virus was going to come at you. Um, so I, I was kind of afraid to reopen and I, I thought all these rules would be really hard to do. But then once we got the hang of it, once we got our safety plan in place, I felt really good. And uh, our customers reassured us that they felt very safe. And, you know, um, it's not actually that hard to do one, you know, you, we, we go out every day to businesses all around town and we see everyone doing their part and, um, you know, people understand, you know, the social distancing and, uh, my staff are really diligent. I'm, I'm actually really proud and impressed with them because they, they've been, uh, very strict. Um, you know, we want to keep them safe. We want to keep our customers safe. So, yeah. um, yeah, so it felt good to be open and it felt really safe. Yeah. So what, what does COVID safety then, maybe I'll ask, I'll ask you, Rachel, what does COVID safety at the Rio look like? You know, you mentioned, we've already mentioned we're 12, we're 12 percent capacity. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, you know, I think what it looks like is probably compared to a lot of places, it's more um, vigilant because I think the nature of our staff uh, makes it so, to be honest, like everybody takes it really seriously. So, you know, and I think most customers by this point in time, like as Kareen alluded, like by the time that we opened, everybody had already kind of gotten used to social distancing and these sort of new protocols. So we just instituted them here. So what that means is, of course, there's far fewer people that we would have in attendance and very spaced out. So we physically blocked off seats for where people could and couldn't sit. It's pretty mm -hmm. self-explanatory and we were always happy to assist and direct people. Uh, we have glass barriers, you know, we have marks on the floor to indicate where people need to stand. It was, it was all of the things that every business has been instructed to uh, institute and we instituted them here. Um, yeah. We did, you know, you know, new things like we, you know, installed sanitizer, which is everywhere. And we have a system for, uh, you know, disinfecting seats in between 
viewings and things like that. So we, we just sort of upped, um, you know, the cleaning, but to be honest, like at this venue, as Corrine alluded to, because, you know, in what I like to call the before times, we, it would not be unusual to have um, two or three full houses turn over at this venue in the course of a day. So that would be over a thousand people coming through here. So by nature of the beast, uh, we're very used to maintaining a really strict and high standard when it comes to cleanliness and sanitation for the health and safety of guests and uh, our staff. So that, to be honest, wasn't a huge change. But yes, physical barriers and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, just more time um, to, to manage that. And and to be honest, it, it I, I think for, to be honest, I think anyone involved in a business like restaurant where, you know, sanitation is you know, first and foremost, a huge priority. That wasn't a huge shift because we're in the we're in the business of making sure that staff and clients are are safe. So yeah, that, that's and especially like theaters, okay. theaters. Yeah. I mean, theaters in general, both you know, movie theaters as well as places that you know put on plays and stuff. You you know how to do this to run a very tight production. And that's what, you know, flashback back to July and August. That's what you were you were doing and the arts club was doing and everybody was okay. doing around town, right? You know, and to my knowledge, there was no community um trans transmission in theaters yeah. in the world. Yeah, the, like this yeah, the science yeah the science is is on our side that there has been no um, instances of COVID transmission related to any cinema or theater worldwide. Um, you know, we also uh, mandated masks well before the, even the provincial health officer did. Um, mm. So, you know, we, we did take it very seriously. We also control the lineups outside and inside and um, all the directional flow so that, you know, I think the main misunderstanding that, you know, where, we got lumped in with these uh, events, you know, by the provincial health officer is I think people think, you know, okay, if you have 50 people going to the, that you're allowed to have in the theater, they think all 50 people are coming at once and they're all friends and they're all yeah. talking and socializing um, like they would at a barbecue or at a wedding. But that's not the case. Uh, you know, at the cinema, people are coming in groups of two or one or three, mm -hmm. and they're not engaging. They get their ticket, they get their snacks, they sit down in silence, and they yeah. watch a movie, you know? Yeah. So that's been the biggest argument that we've been making, is that there's way more socializing going on in the bars and restaurants, and a lot more engagement um, than there is in our environment. And, and I, I think, you know, like, you know, as, as Kareen mentioned, the, the data sort of holds that to be true. And, and I think, look, when we reopened in July, we, you know, we were like, you know, adolescents then with COVID, like we didn't really know what was going on. It, it's, of course, we all understand that as information comes in, you redefine your understanding of the situation. But again, it has to do with how people behave in this atmosphere. This atmosphere is inherently not dynamic. When you come mm. to see a movie, you're not even really talking to the person that you come with. The whole idea is that you, you know, are in the dark, you're focused on what's happening in front of you and you're silent. Yeah. When you go to a restaurant or a bar or in, at a wedding or something like that, it's more interactive. You're sitting across from your friend and talking to them. And I think that, you know, that that can't be understated, uh, the way that people behave here. And I think that as, as we learn more about COVID and look at the actual data surrounding transmission, 
that's become more and more apparent. And I think even the BC government has numbers about, you know, the vast majority of transmission is with people in their homes and, and, and behaving. Behavior is a really big part of that. Uh, and that's just not how people behave in this environment. And for some reason, that has been really largely discounted by the people that make policy. And, yeah. and that's very, very frustrating for everyone that works in the arts and culture sector. Yeah. So let's, let's paint a picture then of what happened in, was it November? I don't know. Yes. All I know yes. is it's like the 50, what is it? The 57th week of 2020 right now. That's right. Um, <laughs> but uh, so in, in November, uh, there were, there were some big announcements from, from uh, Dr. Bonnie and uh, Adrian Dix. Um, can you, can you, I mean, I, I can only just speak about what I remember, but all I remember is that when the dust settled, uh, bars and restaurants, you know, got to stay open, but I couldn't go to see a play or see a movie anymore. So can right. you explain well, to me what happened? I think like initially in November before what happened to um, cinemas and theaters, they'd sort of instituted a, like an early November, maybe even late October, no, or it was early November, about ha people having to maintain a, a smaller bubble, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was like, asking everyone to not go to a friend's house and not uh, break those, those chains and to keep it small. So that happened first. Yeah. And then I think on November uh, 19th, when they had their meeting, they basically were like theaters, including wherever, say a place like the arts club was having their shows couldn't function. And we, we all were listening to the radio and looking at the news. And it, it specifically said on the website that this latest protocol did not uh, affect movie theaters. So we were like, great, we're in the clear because it, it wasn't event based. It was specific to them. And okay, we're in the clear. So we operated that whole weekend. And then on the following Monday, uh, that was amended. And we basically were given six hours to say, you know, this, this new protocol includes you as of midnight, basically. Okay. And I know that, that that started, like, like first you accept, and then I'm assuming as time is going on and you're like, wait a second, there is some, like, because I, I remember uh, the malls being packed in the lead up to, you know, to Christmas, you know, and there were no questions being asked at these press conferences, you know, that I would watch with Every time I watch them, man, I get so so depressed. But nobody was asking about like why is why are these allowed to be open and people allowed to gather here, and yet you know these places that we love, you know, where as you're saying there haven't been any transmissions anywhere in the world, you know, not allowed to to operate, or that there are barriers in their way so they can't operate, you know. So like, can you talk to me a little bit about your the evolution of because I know that there was a petition and then really creative marquees. Like I was living for, you know, photos of your marquees as well, you know, to, that was that fun. Goes to this day. Yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. No, when they first shut us down, that's when we did the, the infamous, uh, you know, bars and restaurants are allowed, you know, to treat cinemas fairly bars and restaurants are, are allowed to stay open. Um, but not cinemas, you know, fuck that noise. Right. Um, and so, yeah, uh, and we, we thought, you know, we think quite a bit about these marquees and, you know, our, you know, should we really go that far? And we're like, fuck yeah. 
um, because we really felt like, you know, enough, you know, if we, if we don't, I, I felt like in the arts in general, it's almost like we're too polite. We're too like, okay, well, we'll, we'll just wait and see. And so we really took the attitude of like, no, enough, you know? And then I remember another marquee we did, uh, we're all in this together, except for shopping malls, mm. right? Um, commenting on just what you were saying that every time I would hear her say we're all in this together I would get so mad because yeah. it's like no we're not in all this together my our the arts is shut we are devastated while you know the shopping malls are flourishing food courts were packed yeah. you know so it was maddening and um you know so it's become my favorite pastime is pointing out all the hypocrisy hypocrisies of the provincial provincial health officers you know and I, and I want to say I have a huge respect for the job that Bonnie Henry does like some people say oh you think you could do better hell no I do not think I could be in charge of pandemic any you know better than Bonnie Henry I mean that woman is amazing um, but could they do a better job yes they could be communicating with businesses better and that's our biggest complaint is that you know, the day we found out, she literally said on TV, oh, I consult with restaurants weekly and go for lunch with them. I was just like, what? Like, because we'd been trying to get responses to our emails for months. So the lack of communication and consultation with the arts um, is, is just unacceptable, really. And I get cynical, maybe, as somebody who's worked, like before doing this work, I was really heavily involved in the nonprofit art sector. Is yeah. it be because we don't have all of this money to be a big lobbying force, you know, because like there's huge money in restaurants and huge money in hotels and all these I things. I definitely think lobbying power has a huge effect because um, the restaurant association is massive, right? Yeah. Um, so they, they're very proactive. They're very aggressive. And um, so that's where I take some ownership, you know, just, in being in the arts community, we're not as organized, we're not as aggressive, but it shouldn't be that the loudest, most aggressive lobbyist gets their way and everyone else gets screwed, you know? Yeah. Well, um, so they should be looking out for the arts. I, yeah. I, I would agree. And I, I think everybody sort of sees the big picture that, you know, if, if the way that the government is choosing to deal with this situation is not a full-on lockdown where everybody is a hermit, but rather they want to ensure that there is some kind of stream of revenue happening on a provincial level. It, it makes sense that you would consult with, you know, the three biggest industries that employ people probably, which are like, or four, which are like schools, retail, uh, tourism, which probably includes hotels and, you know, ski resorts and of course restaurants. But considering that this pandemic has been going on for like a year, it doesn't make sense that this far into the game, when at this point in time, we've still got maybe another nine to 12 months to go, that arts and culture, which is for all intents and purposes, kind of a patchwork kingdom, as opposed to other businesses, which are going to be connected by things like licensing and business licenses and things like that, that there's no space to adjudicate. And, and sort of like what Corrine was saying, like, I, I think that that's what's so frustrating for people that are in arts and culture, which brings in a lot of money for this province. Like, you know, Sabrina, because of, let I me mean, look at your podcast, you know how important film production is to the province of British Columbia. Oh, yeah. You know that film production was given the me mechanism to get back up and running with tons of protocols in place. That lobby group was able to work with the government to make that happen as it should be. 
but why wasn't that same kind of consideration made for other sectors? You know, it, it, like that's, that's the problem. And I, I feel like given the amount of time that's passed, the lack of consultation at this stage of the game is, is not acceptable. And it really speaks to something else. I yeah. Think. What I love about the Rio though, is that you're doing what a lot of arts organizations are either unwilling or unable to do, you know, right? And it's almost like you are the, the you, you are Wonderland or Wonder Woman stepping into no man's land, you know? <laughs> like it's just, it's, well, a test case, but also like, you know, the, the ones who, not everybody has a marquee, you know, not yeah. everybody has the, the liquor license, right? So, um, like, do you, do you feel, because I, like personally, I don't feel like this is just about the Rio. Of course you know. not. Oh, yeah. No. I can not. speak to that. I, I've been in discussions with, um, you know, the other not-for-profit theaters like the Fire Hall Arts Theater, mm. et cetera, and they fully support what we're doing. Um, they definitely see us as the frontline soldier of our fight. Yeah. Um, because they're not-for-profit, a lot of them, you know, rely on government funding. They've got boards that they can't you know, to get things approved by a board, you know, do you think anyone's going to approve fuck that noise on, on a marquee by a board of directors, <laughs> you know? So in my case, I can just do what I want because it's my business. Yeah. Um, and so, but they all know that, you know, if we make a breakthrough, it's a breakthrough for everybody. Exactly. And, um, you know, we're not just fighting to get the Rio open. We're fighting. I I'm personally focused on cinemas because I feel like cinemas, um, can probably get open sooner. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just as supportive of, of the theaters. It's like, everybody's just kind of got to work their angles, you know? Yeah. And, um, I know that the live theaters are forming a task force and, and really trying to get more vocal. Good. I yeah, love to hear and, that. And we have, like, I mean, I've spoken to people that own, like there's mom and pop cinemas, single screen or little, you know, two screen places across the province of British Columbia. It's not just the Rio. And we are in a unique position. And I've spoken to people that are, you know, have a similar kind of business as the Rio. They don't sell alcohol. And I've heard the frustration and I understand it when they say, I don't understand why I can't open my business, but on my same street is a bowling alley, a restaurant and a bar. And they can all be open and they're, you know, given the parameter with which to limp along, but I can't. And I think it's completely valid. Yeah. Like we get it. The main thing that we try to get across is that, um, you know, both Rachel and I are in full support of a, of a total lockdown. Like if our numbers are too high, well then let's all take this seriously, lock it all down. No problem. What we don't like is this policy of having, you know, things that do spread the virus open Mm. and then it just seems to drag it out. And then we're, we're shut the whole time. So that's, what's really frustrating because if bars and restaurants can open safely, so can we. In fact, we feel that we can definitely open safer. So yeah. that, you know, that's where, as long as bars and restaurants are open, we're going to keep fighting. I mean, that's why we had to do the recent pivot that we did. Yeah. Um, don't know if you want to talk about that yet, but. I want to talk about it. It seems like the perfect, the perfect opportunity. So um, I, I think when, when I first saw the photo of the marquee that said, um, like uh, screw the arts we're a sports bar now um I was like yes (laughs) even though I'm not a sportsing person at all but that Mm -hmm. is like that is what is it's brilliant 
because it's it's provocative you know it it calls all the the hypocrisy and you know the inconsistent enforcement of the rules you know puts it right in the spotlight you know and also it's like wow it's like it's a way to get into the real right now you know it's a way to to go and like spend some time um even if i don't understand what's going on on screen but i can be back we could be back in the space and uh you know because also i'm imagining you know you're also not like it's you're not making as much as you were when you're at full capacity right you know so it's like it's this is still like this is still um but it's better than being closed you know so it's a way to help ensure the survival of the real right but tell me about like what when did that inspiration kind of just strike and you know um how hard was it to get going that was born of pure frustration um i had spoken to my health inspector you know we'd you know, Rachel and I spent a lot of time writing this, this letter of exemption, trying to get out of this order that's keeping us closed. And I realized nothing was going to change until February 5th, you know, and we don't even have any guarantee that it will yeah, change February 5th. So yeah, if that, and just, I was being reminded all around me, these places playing sports events. And then I, literally said it to myself, like, fuck it, let's just be a sports bar, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just messaged my staff that day and, and just said, let's do it. And everybody was behind me. And, um, you know, I mean, really, I didn't even know if they'd let us do it. I didn't even know if we'd get shut down right away, but mm -hmm. it just felt like we had nothing to lose. It's like, what are they going to do? They're going to make us closed again while well, we're already closed. Like, have you ever heard any response from the government to the petition, you know, to this, to this pivot? Like, or has it just all been talking to a, you know, to a yeah. door that just won't open? We hadn't heard any response until the week that I decided to be a sports bar. Um, they, we were told that our letter to get exemption was in front of the decision makers. Mm. And so we were feeling, oh, okay, good, good. At least they're looking at it. But that's where I got discouraged is when I realized they're still not going to change anything till February 5th. So that was weeks away. Yeah. And I felt like we need to do something now. They need to realize we can't just keep waiting and waiting. So that's where I, I felt the need to take action. And then we didn't get a response directly to us. It was when the media asked them for a response about the sports bar. And they actually commended us for our ingenuity, which just seemed kind of crazy. It's like, wow, you know, commending us for like, you know, creatively, you know, we wouldn't have to be so smart if their rules weren't so ridiculous, yeah. you know? Um, so, um, yeah, so that's, that was very frustrating. But we did get the approval to open as a sports bar. And it's now been a week since we've opened. Uh, we haven't been shut down yet. Knock on wood. We haven't received a fine yet. Um, yeah, knock on wood. Um, so, but yeah, the, the communication has still been very minimal. All like, I, I just hear things through the media and, um, you know, I, I talked directly, of course, to Vancouver Coastal Health to make sure that our COVID safety plan was approved. Yeah. Um, you know, the liquor board told us we were approved. Um, so, but as far as getting cinemas open, haven't heard a word. And who was, who came out? So you've had one weekend. Uh, you know, you had your big opening weekend of um, being a, a sports bar. Um, how, like, how'd it go? It looked like the photos looked like you're having fun. You're all dressed in like sports clothing, uniforms, I guess they're called. Uh, not a sports person. <laughs> Sci-fi is my sports, okay? Uh, I but think like, it, 
Like I think was the there, timing, was it the real, like, was it the real audience or was it, it was, a different I think audience? it was a, a real mix. And I think it was sort of serendipitous that our opening weekend happened to coincide with some really big sportsing things. And people really <laughs> cottoned on to that because UFC. of, yeah, like honestly, like that <laughs> UFC fight, yeah. which, um, I mean, every, every bar or restaurant with a television was showing it in the province of British Columbia. That's not an understatement. Yeah. Um, this was, you know, on people's minds and of course hockey, like it was, it was really good timing and football because, you know, there was two, the AFC and the NFC was on the Sunday. So it was just like a trifecta of sportsing all yeah. in one weekend. And it really, I think, speaks to the fact that people are looking for distraction and recreation and we provided it. And it was a, it was a really good mix of people. I think by and large, everybody who came is somebody for the most part that has been to the Rio before. But I mean, I, I sat to young women who were watching a game and they, they said they didn't even know what the game was and they were just here <laughs> to drink beer and support the Rio. And I'm like, I appreciate that. And they were just like, we're just so happy that you guys are doing this. So it's yeah. a, it was a real mix. Yeah. yeah and so, another, oh, sorry. There were Continue. other like uh, regular sports fans that were there, you know, and were just really excited that we were doing it. So, I mean, I saw one guy was interviewed on when we got, did the TV interviews and he said, I'll support the Rio no matter what's on the screen. So I really love our fans. Like I honest to God feel so supported by the fans and um, yeah, we really appreciate their support. All the fans and the stands. Um, yeah. And, and so let's talk about the opposite of fans and stands because there were people, and I noticed that there were people from who, who were not from Vancouver, like Toronto journalists and stuff who were like, what, what, what they're, they're just gonna walk away from the arts and like such like a cynical or like willfully like ignorant honestly reaction like what was your what 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 do you say to to people like let's like let's just be clear you have not said screw the arts forever no. you you do not wish to screw the arts <laughs> no the, <laughs> we, we said screw the arts because the arts are getting screwed yeah um, one of our slogans is if you can't beat them join them right so we we've been fighting so hard to get the arts open trying to save the arts so we see this more as a performance art piece where it's like fine you want us to be jocks we'll be jocks because somehow sports are safer you know so and, and in all my interviews, I'm, I made them very tongue in cheek. Like, uh, you know, every time I was interviewed, I would say, well, the, you know, the provincial health officer says sports, watching sports is safer than watching movies. So that's what we're going to do, you know, um, trying to just point out the obvious hypocrisy. Yeah, I think like by and large, just like 99.99% of everybody on the receiving end of that messaging got the joke. And like yeah. they kind of saw the underlying, you know, underscored sarcasm there. I think satire, unfortunately, maybe has been quashed by everybody being so isolated in their home for the past 10 months. But I mean, it, it kind of goes without saying, but it's a little sad that we actually have to say it. But yeah, it's satire. Remember? Remember, yes. remember <laughs> laughing? Remember satire. Laughing? Oh. Yeah. Very vaguely. Very, very vaguely. And, the, you know, the other funny thing is just at our production meeting, like normally we're programming movies and we get very passionate about what movies we should play. And I've even seen programmers get into fights and be all upset because, you know, someone didn't agree with the mo their movie choice. Um, but it was pretty funny when we were doing the sports. Everybody was just on their phone Googling NHL 
NFL trying to, we're like, is there a hockey game every day? What? And then we're messaging all of our friends that like sports and just like getting advice. And yeah, so it's pretty funny, you know, us trying to figure this all out. I love it. I love it. Wow. So I think you, you two are actually going to make me go to a sports bar. Um, I, I hope so because, you know, I think, I think you deserve all, everybody here in Vancouver deserves the opportunity to experience joy. And, you know, as somebody who's, you know, Kareen feels the same way, everybody here feels the same way. Like our, our job, whether we're programming movies or supporting film festivals and, or burlesque events, like our purpose at this corner of commercial and Broadway is to support joy. That's what we're here Absolutely. for. We are a conduit. Joy dealers. Joy. That's, <laughs> like, it. that's That's it. And, and to not have this place be able to support joy for, you know, essentially six of the last 12 months. Like that's what people are responding to. That's what people want. They want a place to come and safely experience joy. And for many people, that means sitting by themselves with other people also experiencing a level of joy or coming with their significant other or their children. It was so nice to see some families come on the weekend. We had elderly Ooh. couples looking to experience joy in the world. That's what we're here for. That's what we've always been here for. And that's what, you know, we're here to provide. Like, that's it. Joy. Joy dealers. Joy pushers. Yeah. And tonight, so, oh, tonight, what's- tonight we've got uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, which is super, super joy. Super joy. It's because everything drag is extra. I know. I, I, I was looking at it going, drag race is a sport, right? And we actually looked up the definition of sport, and it's uh, either a group or individuals competing for entertainment, you know? So, hello, RuPaul's Drag Race is definitely a sport. It's competitive. It. It's highly and the competitive. Reserve, the reserve highly the reserved seats filled up like within half an hour of putting it up. So uh, it's, it's really popular. I'm, I can't wait to go tonight. Amazing. So I guess I like sports after all because I love me some drag race. And we still got the grilled cheese sandwiches. We still got the popcorn. We still got alcohol to put in our faces. Of course. That's all joy. That's, That's joy. Carbs are joy. Butter is joy. Salt is joy. Organic bread from... A bread affair, one of our favorite local proprietors here in the Lower Mainland. That is pure joy. It's all joy. And the, and the cheese from La Grotta, yeah. just down on Commercial Drive. But yeah, we we haven't sold so many grilled cheese sandwiches. I mean, that's kind of the other fun thing about being a sports bar is just um, you know every crowd has different things, but uh, the grilled cheese is very popular now. So that and that's a that's fun. I love it. I love what you're doing. Um, how can people? uh support you help you you know like what 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 are some well, action items that they can that they can do to support the rio theater and also the rio sports bar well they can come down uh we have reserved seating um on riotheatertickets.ca um and because we're not allowed to promote anything we're just saying the sporting activity and the time so we'll mm -hmm. say football 4 p.m sunday if you don't know what that is, you know, um, that's, and so we, you know, we list the activity and the time and then they can reserve seats. Also, we have uh, gift certificates um, for when we do get back open as a cinema that you can mm. buy online. And soon, coming soon is our Rio Sports Bar t-shirts. 
um, as well as our original uh, classic Rio t-shirts um, are going to be available to purchase online. We've been working on a, one of those Shopify accounts or Etsy or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, so people can support us that way as well. Yes, I can't wait. And I'd also just sort of throw out like in the short term, the way that they can support us is like, yeah, to come on down and experience it for themselves because we're, I mean, it goes without saying like, you know, I think you alluded to this earlier, like it's not, it's, this isn't like a, a huge money-making venture. Like we're, we can't actually charge entry. We don't have tickets anymore. Right. So what we're doing, I really feel like we're, we're servicing joy. So we want people to come on down. And even if they're only watching a game for 15 minutes or half an hour, or an hour, they're going to feel good. And that's important. We want that for people. We want it for everyone. Like experience that and have it again because this thing isn't going to last forever. So make the best of it while you can. What a great way the, to look at it. And one of the main differences, uh, you know, with the sports bars, now we have staff with trays bringing you beer so you can sit in your seat and have drinks brought to you. So it's even more joy. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for, thank you for your service. Thank you for your, your work. Thank you for the, for the Rio. Kareen Lee, Rachel Fox, where can our listeners find you in the Rio, follow you, celebrate you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, it's at, at Rio Theater dot, or sorry, at Rio Theater. That's T-R-E. Same on Instagram and we're on Facebook as well. Awesome. Awesome. All that right. shirt looks great on you, by the way. Thank Love you. It. It's my, uh, it's, it's, I'm wearing, and I'll put a photo on Instagram. I'm wearing the Tristan Risk Rio shirt that I got as part of your, your campaign from a few years right ago. You know, we like Liz, honestly, we, we have all fought so hard to save the Rio at various points and we will, we, we will, and we must fight hard to save the Rio theater slash sports bar. Um, 100%. All right. Well, thank you both. Thank you to our listeners. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you're so inclined. Uh, Five stars, no less. You can find us at www.ybearscreens.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YBearScreenScene. The YBearScreenScene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad to Paul Furminger for technical support and to Dane, not Furminger Devilly for the original music. My Bear Screen Scene is a division of Fishlight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. Oh, and I guess sports bar scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. 
Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.